your broadcast for encouraging people with hope is stunningly simple and yet profound. Anytime I've ever been in a, a place emotionally, mentally, physically of feeling lost, hope is the thing that got me through. Sometimes a simple word from a friend, a colleague, even a stranger can keep a person keeping on to keep on. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast, stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host for the day, and joining me as always, my beautiful wife, her name is... Just Jen. She's just Jen, and you're along with us as we are embarking on this journey of hope during the pandemic. Yes. How are you doing? Well, by the looks of it, well, our viewers can't see, but I am double-fisted with Dutch Brothers coffee. So you are caffeinated. Yes. You are hydrated. I'm ready. You are motivated. Bring it. You are excited. (laughs) Now you're scaring me. (laughs) You should always be afraid. Oh, good point. (laughs) I was told in my past life I was a Viking. No, you're not simply a Viking. I think you were a Viking warrior queen with a sword and an axe. Yeah. That that's how you me. act. Yeah. That's 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 the personality, the persona that you exude. I'm like a warrior. That likes food. I do love food. <laughs> I'm I'm like the I eat those turkey legs at Disneyland, just like with your hand, like Arr. Well, you should be happy because we had a birthday celebration for our son. We had I Which I, I did, had no cake. I did ribs on our Traeger. I had no ribs. I know. They were so good though. I had no tri tip. You didn't have tri... Why did I cook? You didn't have anything I cooked. No, because I'm very, very, very good about my goals. And so I had a salad, a grilled chicken salad, and it was fabulous. Well, I guess I was going to say you should be happy, but I didn't realize you did not have any of what I cooked. Now I'm sad. Yeah, but I did save a piece of that cake for Saturday because it's like feast day for me. I didn't make the cake. I know, but the store did. (laughs) And, And I've already snuck a piece in the freezer and I hit it because hey, I knew the boys would eat it. I'm not going to make your lack of eating my food define me. I will not be upset by it because no. the kids said I did great. Oh and my gosh, I thought I did great. It. I had not cooked pork spare ribs on a Traeger before and I did it. A Traeger. Yeah, that thing is the best invention ever. Yeah, I think we, we never, I think it revolutionized our life. We never grilled until we got a Traeger because it yeah. just makes things simple. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, I agree. You can it's do, awesome. It you smokes make, and it yeah, makes the smell. Yeah, it's like an oven, so you can like even make biscuits on it. Oh. You can bake on it. You can bake now, cookies. Okay, enough. You're making me hungry. I know. I'm hungry. It's like almost lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. All right, speaking of funny, mm-hmm. it's joke time. It's joke time. So it's time for Sean and Jen, tell a joke. You get to decide whose joke is funnier. So far, the score is uh, 25 me, 2 Jen. No, it's not. That's my score. You think you want 25 times? <laughs> no. That does sound unreasonable. Yeah. You've had some funny jokes. 
Yes, I have. Just not recently. <laughs> All right, you get to go. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Well, once again, I tell only jokes about food. Yes, you do. I have been very good about sticking to my guns and only telling food jokes. So, I've, okay. got, I've got a theme. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Why do the French like to eat snails? Why do the French like to eat snails? I don't know why. Because they don't like fast food. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That one? Yeah. I like it. They don't like it. They don't. I, that was a double laugh. They don't like fast food. No, they don't. Mm-hmm. But that was a good one. I like that one. That was. Funny. I do like In and Out though. Yeah, that's good food. Yeah, burgers that, and fries. Yes. Yeah, All right. So you ready for my joke? I am super ready. Are you sure? I'm very this ready. This is going to be one of those simple ones. I'm so ready. Let's do it. Go 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 go. This is going to be one of those simple ones. Okay. That I'm going to so, get. Yes. Okay. You're going to get it. Okay. What did the left eye say to the right eye? Hi. No. The left eye said to the right eye, between you and me, something smells. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I knew you would like that yeah. one. My joke time's getting better. You are I've getting better. the secret to the Gen Key. I'm running out of food jokes. So if you guys have food jokes out there that are pretty send funny. Send us food jokes. How do they do that? Not you, me. I know, but send, it, send you food jokes. Direct message us on Instagram or Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast and say, attention, just Jen. And then our secret food joke. So I'm not supposed to look at it when I get it? Yeah, so you can't see it. So I can't confiscate it? No. All right. They're for me. All right. So uh, I'm excited because I've got somebody coming on the line that Mm -hmm. is a mover and a shaker and a go-getter. Yes. And she's not stopping. And this woman... She's 70 years old, and she's still creating. She's still challenging herself. She's still out there making stuff happen. I'm super excited. That's right. And her and her husband, they seem like fascinating people to be around. Okay. I'll just tell you that. Her name's Cindy Lippard, and she just, just to give you a clue, she took up acting like five years ago. Wow. So like when she's 65, well, she takes up cool. acting. She's like, you know, I think I'm going to try something new. Yeah. You but have to. Mix I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what she has to share about the subject of perseverance and hope. And uh, so, shall we get her on the line? Let's call her. All right, here we go. All right, I've got Cindy Lippert on the line. Cindy, welcome to the show. Good morning, Sean. Thank you for having me. I I love this opportunity for hope. This is so great. Hey, we're we're happy to have you on the show. We're excited to have you on the show. And, you know, I've heard that you have a lot of stories to share. We were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, Karen Glasser, who was one of our guests on our podcast. And she did a phenomenal job. And she has just been such a connector for us and others. And so we were excited to talk with you. And I I know you're an actress. I know your husband's an actor. I know that you've done a lot of things in your life. So we're looking for some guidance on the forefront of hope. I'm sure you have some stories to share about hope. I'm 70 years old. You don't get to this age without a lot of stories, Sean. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) This is true. Like, Jen and I imagine that you and your husband are a lot like us. We we imagine that we're going to be like you guys when we're 70. We're going to be really cool. We're going to be out making things happen. And fun. They sound fun. Doing stuff. Yeah, they sound fun. I mean, like, you don't, you don't, all of a sudden I'm uh, in my 60s and I think I'm going to take up acting. You know, that's like what you did, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting and it's a long and twisted road. 
if uh, if you want to talk to us privately, we'll tell you what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> those are the best stories. I yes. will tell you, those are the best. <laughs> those stories. are the best stories. Yes. That's right. Those are the best stories. Yeah, yeah. We're we're having a ball. He and I both started acting almost six years ago. The way I met our mutual friend Karen, I was interviewed on a Zoom broadcast for a woman, Carol Calvert, who has written a book about silver linings. And I think it's called, I hope I'm not butchering this, I think it's called I'm Not Beautiful Like You, I'm Beautiful Like Me. And it was dedicated to the women in the what we refer to as the Silver Sister Movement. There, there was a huge movement of women that got tired of dyeing their hair Getting into acting, I found out that the women in my demographic that got the most work were silver. Mm. And I talked to my husband about it, and I decided to ditch the dye. I chopped my long hair off and and went silver in about four months. And it opened a whole new world up for me. I got cast in a, a documentary called Gray is the New Blonde. It's wonderful. It's out there available on DVD if you ever want to see it. It's interviews of, of women who decided to ditch the guy, basically. It turns out that going silver was not about hair color at all. It was about finding personal freedom. When we find our freedom, we're able to not worry about what other people think about us or our life choices. You were referring to my husband and I being like you and Jen, and that's probably true. We've always gone our own way. We've always been adventurers, but not in the way a lot of people are. We had goals and visions of what we wanted for our lives, and when an opportunity came up, we, we went. A lot of other people, you know, may have have done better by staying put, but we just never did. And we never wanted to get to this age and regret what we didn't do. Oh, and so we've, we've done a lot of things. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think that that message is one that, that resounds inside of me. Like I've always been an adventurer that way. Thankfully, I've got a beautiful bride that has allowed me to take risks. I mean, this woman has stood beside me and and basically said, you know, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box, as long as we're together, we're good. But that's allowed me the freedom to be, you know, a risk taker in business and finance and things like that. But I think, I think you're, you're right. The road less traveled. Like my, my Instagram handle is uncommon Sean. The idea of being different outside the box, the road less traveled, you know, chart your own path kind of thing. And, and you guys struck me as that. I, I just sense that you've lived a lot of life. Mm-hmm. That's good. And you're still creating, you're yeah. still charging ahead. You're still, you know, making the most of it. A lot of people that would normally, you know, let's say in the early to mid sixties, just kind of kick up their heels and start coasting. Yeah. You guys are not that. They're I love living. that. They're yeah. Not they're existing. living. They're, no, they're living. thriving. Thriving. They're thriving. Well, it, it turns out that the way you feel today you're going to feel that way at 70 and 80 and, and on. Mm-hmm. That's that's what nobody warns you about. You look in the mirror and you think, what the hell happened? <laughs> you know, uh, who, who stole my body? You know, and usually happens. You hit about age 50 and 
something happens, you, in fact, we said for years, if you hit a certain age in life and you haven't been divorced, imprisoned, shot at, uh, shunned, uh, you know, the whole litany, you're probably not very interesting to know. (laughs) And (laughs) we don't care who you are. We want you to be authentic. The one thing that he and I can't abide is a hypocrite. And, and that's hard. That's a hard standard. And it doesn't mean purity, you know, that, that you say you're going to work out every day and you don't. We don't want to know you. It's not about that. It's about purposely offending or hurting anyone that, that it has nothing to do with you. Why would anybody do that? Why, why would you set yourself up in a way that is elitist and and separate and in a bubble how boring would that how boring would that life be yeah (laughs) so give give our uh, audience some sort of an idea of the breadth and width of the different things that you've done in your life because you're both over the age of 70 now and you found acting like six years ago and so like give give me some sort of idea of your life experience path and the different occupations and or businesses and or things that you've done I almost died at eight years old, for starters. I was, I was raised first 10 years of my life in uh, East St. Louis. My mother got divorced in 1960. Why that doesn't seem strange to your generation is because in 1960, nobody got divorced. You were, as a woman, you were looked at as, why can't you hang on to your man? Women could not really function in life very well without being married in 1960. So we moved to the Chicago area. Well, I figured out as a 10-year-old girl that if your father was dead, you got a lot of sympathy. But if your parents were divorced, you were white trash, if, if you were white. If not, then whatever. But I told everybody my father was dead. Well, that was working for me really well for about a month until my mother went to the teacher's conference. And I was a straight-A student, and, and they went ahead and moved me up a grade, which is another whole story. My mother said, well, I think she's doing well considering the divorce. And the teacher said, we thought her father was dead. So my mother, my mother outed me, and so I went from being sympathetic to white trash and a liar. In so a moment, in, in an instant. In, 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 in an instant. So I figured out from there that lying, lying was not, <laughs> not going to work for me. So I was 5'7 at age 10, and I was skinny before Twiggy. Marilyn Monroe was the popular thing, and I wore cat glasses because contacts weren't invented. And, and I was an awkward kid, and my best friend was overweight, and her mother called us the string bean and the cow. So now it took a whole lifetime for me to realize that was abusive. Okay, so... This, the reason I'm laying all this out for you is is this this lays out a foundation for how a person sees themselves the rest of their lives. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian environment, which I didn't understand and, and didn't work for me. Understand, I am not disparaging that. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And this is important to the choices that I made forever after. I never dated. I married a guy in the church because that was the right thing to do. 
really, I just wanted to have sex. And I was told I had to be a virgin to get married. So that was my plan. And uh, anyway, he was a GI. This was uh, the Vietnam years. And GIs made $155 a month back then. And our rent was 55 Wow. So some context imagine. right there yeah. for yeah. pricing. Yeah, some context. Whoa. There you go. There you go. Oh my goodness. So I figured out real quickly, because I wasn't good at anything, I I couldn't type, I couldn't take shorthand, and but I figured out real quick that the boss got paid more, so I needed to figure out how to be the boss. And I was 19 years old, and I figured out being the boss was a good thing. So anyway, I, uh, my husband and I got pregnant uh, at the age I was 20 to spare you. Well, no, we'll go ahead and not skip that. He went to he went to <laughs> he went to Thailand for a year. By the time I was 22, and it was during that time that I began to question everything. Vietnam colored our world. And this is something that that younger generations don't understand. It disrupted life. We couldn't plan anything because of the draft. Women weren't drafted. You could join, but we hardly knew any females that did. Doesn't mean that there there weren't. The thing is, Vietnam put lives on hold completely. And the men that went were never quite the same when they came back. It, it, was a, it was a very strange time. And him being away for a year in Thailand is a, is a whole radio show in itself. <laughs> it, it really is. But I was very young and very naive and, and did not understand the context of, of any of it. But I knew that I was happier alone. And it was at that time that I ended up getting divorced by 25. So I became a single parent at 25 and there was no name single parent understand. And I had really no skills other than the fact that I knew being boss was good. That was my goal. So, so my wife has the same goal. Exactly. Being boss is good. They get paid more. Okay. One thing led to another, and I ended up being marketing director for a shopping center, a Merchants Association, and I learned all kinds of skills, but I wasn't paid much. I was paid $555 a year, uh, excuse me, a month, and that qualified my son for half-price lunches at school. That's how little it was. My, my rent was 240 to give you a context for that. But I was young enough that I didn't know that I couldn't do this. So I, I had this great job, and I learned on the job, which is what we did back then. I wasn't qualified for that job, but my boss wanted shorthand, and I promised him, I'll learn shorthand in 90 days or you can fire me. And so I had this job that didn't pay very much, but I learned a lot, a lot about advertising, a lot about marketing, and all of that. I had a friend who was in sales for IBM, and she said, we got to get you into sales. I said, ah, I'm, I'm not a salesman. Long story short, one of my merchants in the mall had just become the sales manager for a security company, and he said, we're looking specifically for women to sell home alarm systems. Well, I didn't want to do that. Well, he promised me 
that it would be a nice big salary plus a company car. It was for a major Fortune 500 company. So I thought, well, maybe I could sell burglar alarms for that. I didn't want to go. I canceled the appointment. And the secretary said, when do you want to come? And I thought, ah, rats. I don't want to do She seems to want me there. So I said, okay, fine. I didn't really want this job, but it was $25,000 a year. I mean, this, this was, you know, a huge thing, plus a company car, great insurance, all of it. Okay, maybe I can sell burglar alarms. So I showed up, and my friend was there, and he said, let me get our district manager to meet you and interview you. And he said, Cindy, I would like to, I would like to introduce you to Richard Lippert, my husband. Yeah. Yes. That's how I met him. <laughs> wow. So disappointment that I didn't want to go to. Yes. The one that you, when she called you, Hey, when, when do you want to show up? I just thought the answer is going to be like, never, like, yeah. I don't want, I don't yeah. want to do it. Right. And I, and I just think that that's right. so funny. Like you can always look back at moments in time, the smallest of decisions mm-hmm. could have the biggest impact. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's the point. That's, yeah. that's exactly the point. Yeah. And I, everything within me said, I don't want this job, but I couldn't quite say no. And, and, uh, and here it was, and it was, it was, I did get the job. And seven months later, we got married. Wow. So I lost my, I lost my job by the way, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But hey, you gained you gained job. something in the process, yeah. though. You, you you gained a husband that you've that you've stuck with now for for a few years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be forty this year. Oh, that is awesome. So, yeah. So what happened from there is I got into without going into all that. I got into high tech, and uh, which was in its infancy in the eighties because we got married nineteen eighty. And again, I went in by way of sales, and Jen, you'll be happy to know, I became the boss. Right on. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kept being promoted because in those days, they needed people. The industry was growing so rapidly, and I found out I was very good at translating between programmers and customers. I could take programming language and, and turn it into what we call laymanese or human talk. (laughs) And then that company went bankrupt and another company picked me up and this man had interviewed me and he had all his directors interview me. And he said, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to describe something for you. What do you think about it? You can't do. And I said, it sounds like what I was just doing. He said, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to give you a promotion before I hire you. (laughs) Wow. So I so I went from making $18,000 a year to $40,000 a year, which would be the equivalent of a six-figure job today. That's incredible. You became the boss lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I got to be the boss lady. I was one of four directors and I did not have I did not have an MBA. I was the only one that didn't have an MBA. The director of sales left and my boss loved me so much he hired my husband to be the director of sales. So we ended up bossing half the company. So, <laughs> so that was that. Bossing. There you go. I love it. And is that, is that where so, you guys stayed or, or I mean, did you stay with that company for? Oh any? no. Okay. No, 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 we didn't. <laughs> we stayed for a couple of years. 
we we went with another company and sometimes Sean and Jen you will make choices that will change the course of the rest of your life and not necessarily for the better but the interesting thing is that it's not about what happens to you it's about how and what you do with what happens to you yes how you're able to recoup how you're able to say, okay, this is where we're at. What do we do from here? So let's let's talk and, about that for a second. Let's talk about, you know, like a significant right? adversity that you faced in your life that when you were facing it seemed insurmountable, seemed like a, you know, Mount Everest kind of a situation. Well, there have been many. There have been financial ones. There have been health ones. I had cancer 18 years ago. I had symptoms for three years that I ignored. I left, I ultimately left high tech because of extreme burnout. And there's a whole show on that. I got into ministry, basically. And I was trying to build a church from scratch. I was also co-founding a ministry school in, in uh, Texas at the same time. Now, you had said and earlier that had, you, you were struggling with your your Christian upbringing, etc., and it, it, yes. I, th- I think you said it yeah. a specific way, and so I find it I find it very interesting yeah. that later on in life, now here you are a church starter, or you're trying to grow a church. That seems like an interesting story in and of itself. Well, what happened? I tend to be workaholic, and I have an on and off switch. I literally burned out. Jen, hear this. I burned out of being the boss of everything. Okay. I burned out of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't do it once. I would do it twice before it was all over. But uh, anyway, what happened to me is uh, extreme fatigue and, and other things. But bringing it to the point, I had turned 40 years old and my childhood friend, remember the cow and the string beans? Oh, yeah. Well, my blessed cow friend got a rare form of breast cancer and died. I was 42 years old. I didn't know where she went and it bothered me. Mm. And it's when the student is ready, the teacher appears and a wonderful woman began to mentor me. I was so turned off to church and God and the whole subject. And she was able to talk to me about God in a way that I'd never heard before. And it, it penetrated my heart. It opened me up, and it was a message that that helped me find my freedom, spiritually, emotionally, every other which way. And out of that changed the course of the rest of my life. It became a path to seminary, to building churches and school, and um, taking over an existing church, and becoming president of an international organization. Now, today, I'm I'm on the um, staff of the largest LGBT congregation in the United States for their seminary, and they're located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm no longer running churches. I retired in 2008. That was my second burnout. But what I what I found spiritually from this mentor, I we could fill volumes about. Whatever your spiritual path is or maybe hasn't, you haven't found it yet, we are hardwired for some idea 
of a power bigger than us. We seem to be hardwired for that. I believe as many different ones as there are of us on the planet, there are pathways to that higher power. And as long as that spiritual idea is empowering to you and to others around you, I, I think it's very freeing and, and life supportive. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned, I don't think people really understand how caustic burnout can be unless you've, you've been through it. I have been through it. I, that's what actually caused me to sell my financial services practice back in 2018. And I did not realize how much it had affected my life, how much it had keyed me up, how much it had, had filled me with, you know, just this, this anxiety, this, this heaviness. And it wasn't until I got past it, until I got out from under it, that I really recognized the full weight that I was bearing. You know, it's not until you, you know, throw off that backpack after the six mile hike that you realize how heavy it really was, right. you know, and that was what I went through. So to have you go through that twice in two different ways. But see, I think that's one of the, one of the things that happens to people that are hard charging, that want to create, that are visionaries, that lead the way, that are boss ladies like yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sorry that you went through that, but I'm not surprised because it's a, it's a common, oh, what do you want to call it? A chink in the armor that, that happens for people that have great vision you've got one, one beautiful life. How are you going to spend that? You know, what are you going to do? Uh, this pandemic, because the film industry is completely shut down. Uh, my husband and I, who's a retired, he's a retired CEO. We decided to form Sage coaching and counseling. What, what that is, we both have made ourselves available to help, especially during this pandemic time for hope and encouragement also for grief counseling. Um, I of course do spiritual counseling as a minister that can lapse into life coaching and, and whatever. But as a retired CEO, he's available for not only coaching the, um, the employee, but the employee also has a life. And so the two of us together then can help support in a way that we couldn't really do that so much in business. Now we're free to do that. We have offered that help regardless of ability to pay during, during this time. This is the sequestering has all kinds of, it's just riddled with pitfalls for child abuse and, and Mm -hmm. um, violence in the home and, and all of it. And we've been very concerned about it. Uh, our sage coaching, excuse me, sage coaching and counseling.com. We have several other professionals with us. We've got a drug and alcohol specialist that's a licensed social worker. And we've got a psychologist. We've got several others that are experts in family businesses and all kinds of things. So we've come together under one um, umbrella. The idea is to empower and to help people hurt a little less. I think that's a great mission. And I think, uh, let me just clarify, it's SAGE, as in S-A-G-E, SAGE, coaching and counseling? Dot com, right. Sage yes, coaching. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think yeah. that's awesome. I mean, that's very similar to- a great to, resource. Yeah, to, yeah, to our, you know, hope. Like, mm-hmm. we, we wanted to come on and do this to- 
uplift others because we felt like there was going to be a lot of anxiety. There's going to be a lot of fear, a, a, a lot of uncertainty about right. the future. And every bit as much as I had mused that maybe this would be an event, you know, we call it, I've heard it called the great pause. People put their life on, on pause. I felt like it would help some couples maybe reconnect and grow stronger in their marriage. And then somebody had pointed out the opposite relative domestic violence and increase in violence towards children, et cetera, yeah. because now the kids are home. And then it, you know, somebody said sometimes school is the safe place for a child. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. So I, I love that you're doing what you are doing, right. coming alongside somebody that we talked to yesterday said, you don't wait, you create, yes. you know, so people could just be sitting around waiting or they could be doing something to help. And I think that's what you're doing. And that's what we're trying to do as well. Well, I believe it's the right thing because, you know, nature hates a void. Nature hates a vacuum. There's life. There's creativity. There's ideas. We can distract ourselves. We can be in shock. We can be depressed. We can, we can feel all of it. But the greatest way that I know to get out of my own pain is to say, if I have discomfort, who else might feel worse? Who else might be having a bigger challenge? How can I support somebody else get beyond myself? For me, it's, it's the greatest way that, that I can get out of myself and realize the stuff I have around me, I prayed for years ago. I have what I have because of some vision that I had at some point that that's what I thought would make me happy. Let's celebrate that instead of, focusing on, I can't go out, I can't do this, my life's on hold, whatever. Instead of what I can't do, what can I do? Now, I have a question for you because you've been around this planet for over seven decades and you've lived a lot of life, you've gained a lot of wisdom, and you mentioned something before, and Jen and I have, have struggled with this too. We, we've had our, one of the things I guess that's, that's fortunate or unfortunate about people that take risks and go for it and, and seize opportunities is sometimes things don't work out the way you expect. And so back in 2009, that happened for Jen and I. You know, we ended up on a personal level filing for bankruptcy. You know, it was just one of those things. It was a collusion of a perfect storm of events. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there. You know, let's say you, you had a thriving restaurant business. You had five locations. Like, things were great. Things were good. You're making money hand over fist. And now COVID hits, and you've had five restaurants with all the leases, with all the costs, with all that stuff just sitting there, you know, not doing much of anything. And so I, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of people that maybe for the first time in their life are dealing with financial adversity, that uncertainty about where it's going to come from, or maybe the realization that all of it could be lost. And then that can be devastating for somebody that's not been through it before. So, you know, what wisdom do you have to share about coming out of a circumstance where you've been challenged financially? Well, it turns out this is my favorite subject, Sean. <laughs> so I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. You don't get to have a long-term marriage without having ups and downs financially. Hopefully not great, not huge and things like that. We, my, my husband had the pleasure and, and the terror of being involved with venture capital years ago. And we ended up calling it vulture capital. It's, it's like making a deal with the devil and sweat equity and, and all kinds of things. And 
things work real good until they don't. Like you said, the five restaurant thing, it, it all works good until it doesn't. And you're devastated. You filed bankruptcy or maybe you haven't. You're still trying to dig your way out the best way that you can or, or whatever you're doing. Here's the thing I learned. And I swear to you, it's a spiritual principle. It doesn't matter what religion it is. The old time Christians call it tithing. Okay. What the reinvented word is called paying it forward. And I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it is the way to financial freedom. It is. I can't explain why other than it helps you focus on what you have. But my mentor took me to the side and, and I said, we're having a tough time financially. This was, I don't know, long, long time ago now. Thank you. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> but, you very uh, much. In the rear view mi- thank mirror. Thank you very much. Long time ago. That's right. Yeah. In case anybody, anybody that has any power is listening. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it, anyway, what she said, Cindy, I want you to start giving 10% of something somewhere. And I didn't trust churches or any institutions like that. Okay. Bear this in mind. And she said, there is a spiritual law that works and it works completely. And she said, uh, you need to give 10%. And I said, I don't have anything. I was barely paying the bills. And she said, did you go to the grocery store recently? And I said, yeah. She said, did you buy something for yourself? I said, a tube of lipstick. She said, tithe on that. And I said, okay, that would be like 70 cents, we'll say. And she said, now you have to give that 70 cents to something you and your husband can agree on. I mean, this sounds ridiculous now, but it's true. So what happened is that I asked him, he said, could we give it to a woman's shelter? And so I asked her if that would count. This sounds ridiculous now. I said, would a woman's shelter count? And she said, I think that sounds great, and I'm sure they would appreciate it. Well, my pride wouldn't let me write a check for two to, for 70 cents. So I decided $2. I mean, this is how, this is how there was no money. You understand? Mm-hmm. We were still trying to put our son through school. There were a lot of other things going on. It was a very challenging time. So we wrote a check for $2 to a woman's shelter. We got a letter back thanking them. I'm sure they thought what fool is sending us $2 in the form of a check. <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you that all kinds of things happened. I sat down to pay bills and suddenly things were coming in that were, you don't owe us any money this month or there's been a credit, you know, and she said, start looking for things that you buy at the grocery store that you need, but now they're on sale, like soup. You needed a can of soup, but it's on sale, half off, tithe on the half that you didn't have to pay. Now, I'm saying tithing because that was her language, but paying it forward is another way of saying it. Anyway, that was, I want to say, 1992 when I started that activity and literally looking for ways to give to whatever inspired me, to whomever it inspired me. And then, of course, that led into ministry school and all of that. I will tell you, by 2000. By 2003, I wrote a tithe check for $25,000 to Unity Village 
because they had a naming uh, opportunity. They were building a spiritual life center, which is a basically a hotel on the uh, 1,600 acres of Unity Worldwide and Lee Summit, Missouri. And there was a naming opportunity. What that means is there's a plaque on room number 308 that says, With Gratitude, from Richard and Cynthia Lippert. And a $25,000 check paid for that plaque. The reason I did it was not to show off, oh, look at me. It was for me to remember forever after that this stuff works if you work it. You know, I, I love that story. I think that that's a powerful, powerful message. And, and I think what people need to understand, you know, Jen and I are both faithful Christians. We, we do give, we do tithe. Uh, the The premise behind it is it doesn't matter how much you have. And people will say, I don't have any money. Like to your point, it can be it can be two pennies. It can be 70 cents. It's, it's the process of connecting with your faith and being unselfish enough to give something. You know, without an expectation, without some, you know, precondition, I'm going to give this only if I get X, but it's, it's that faithful giving, whatever you have, whatever you can scrounge up and, you know, have a garage sale, sell something that you've got, whatever you can do to, to raise that cash. We've seen it. We've witnessed it in our own lives, but I think people underestimate that power. It's like God says, I will return it to you twice over. Like it's the one thing in the Bible that he says, test me on this, test me on this and see what happens. And and I love your story. I, I think that you're a product of that. To, to have had that change in such a short period of time, several years between one financial situation and a much better financial situation is is a testament to that. Paying it forward. Yeah. Well, during during that period, and it was up and down, and uh, there w- there was even a he. My husband was working on an acquisition. The commission on that was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and one one of his staff members actually betrayed him. And this is a man that he had brought along, and th- this is when I was learning this paying it forward thing. And it, it was going to bail us out. It was going to, you know, we, we were going to be set right. We were going to have a new, a whole new plan. It was going to get us out of debt. And it was probably the darkest day. And my mentor said, Cindy, I want you to understand something. If you believe that you are worthy of that money, don't focus on the how. Focus on the what. Because we limit God's ability when we focus on it has to come this way. In other words, I'm going to get a book and it has to come through Amazon. Well, maybe somebody can give you that book. Or maybe you can order it from Borders. When, when, we, when we set up for ourselves that things have to come to us in a very particular way, we limit we're, we're limiting the delivery system and we're hindering the process mentally. And she said, let go of that, allow it to come in another way. He ended up getting recruited for another, for a, for a job that literally changed the course of the rest of our lives. <laughs> and I love within, that. within a year, within a year, he came home and said, they've given me a piece of the business and it's worth $300,000. Wow. 
That's awesome. I, I, I love that story. And I think that there's several parts to that that we could unpack and further develop and, and discover. So number one, in my experience in life, right about the time I'm about to make a breakthrough is when it feels like all, everything just, <laughs> the proverbial shit happens. Like it just, everything just goes wrong. It goes sideways. It goes the way that you don't expect it to happen. And I think, you know, I think that God sometimes will say, you know, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me in these times? And I certainly feel like if you believe in God, you got to believe in the, the enemy. And so the enemy would like nothing more than to discourage you and to make you think less and to make you second guess and to make you uncertain. And so I think your friend, your mentor that came alongside you and gave you some of that advice, that was probably the best advice that you could receive. And, and I do feel like God is faithful in those times. And sometimes his word is going to come through a friendship. It's going to come through scripture. It's going to come come through some prompting. You might even see a billboard on the side of the road that just something speaks to your spirit, but it's, it's in those times of challenge when I really have felt the closest to my creator, the closest to God. I, I agree with you. You know, if I love scripture. I'm a, I'm a minister. Of course, I'm going to love scripture, but uh, you remember Job mm-hmm. yes. and chapter, chapter 42, verse 10, chapter 42, verse 10 is is the pivotal, the pivotal thing to that book. The captivity of Job, in other words, the trouble, turned when he began to pray for his friends. And in fact, he got twice as much as he had before. You were saying double, and that's where that is. And I swear to you, it's the truth. Praying for his friends, in other words, reaching out, helping others. How can I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I get off my pity pot? How can I take what I have and help support somebody else in what they're going through? He began to pray for his friends, get off his own stuff. And in fact, everything that he lost came back double. And what that double meant to me and how I understood it is we don't have peace because we say we're peaceful. We feel it inside. And if we feel it inside, it also shows up externally. So it's like double. You get it inside and you get it outside. I have a question for you relative to young people. And I think young people, millennials now, I mean, this is a formative time for them. This is their version of a Vietnam. This is their version of uncertainty. Can't make plans. Don't know what's going to happen next. You know, not not the same type of event, but that's still that uncertainty surrounding it. So, you know, here you are. You've got a lot of life experiences. You've had your ups and downs. What's something that you would love that somebody would have shared to the 20-year-old version of yourself that you now know and understand? understand today that is just the life lesson that had you known it sooner you would have you would have benefited so much more from it um i want to say first of all it's very much like the vietnam era for very different reasons we've already got more dead than than in vietnam that's stunning right there number one and lives are put on hold and future is uncertain in almost every profession, especially, well, everywhere across the road, aboard. But what I wish I had known or had been encouraged about, don't worry about the money. Don't, don't go for the money. Go for what gives you passion. Do what gives you passion. 
uh, do whatever your heart's desire. I wish I had known that acting acting is one of the greatest adventures. I highly recommend acting training just to be a better human being, just to be a good listener. It's also great for older people for cognitive value. But if, if I could get a hold of every young person, it would be, what do you do that you love? Do that and the money will follow. I love that. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That's great advice. So here's another interesting question for you. Where do you see yourself in five years? What's, what's the goal? Because you're always creating, you're always moving. You and your husband are just charging forward. So what's the plan for the next five years? What's the five-year senior Cindy going to look like? Well, it's really interesting because um, I'm a SAG actor, and so is my husband. And we're in a state, uh, we live in Arizona, and it's a non-union state. It's a right-to-work state, so we don't have, we don't have much in the way of of the film industry here and New Mexico is, is becoming a new young burgeoning Hollywood. Netflix has made a billion dollar commitment to New Mexico for the next 10 years. They've bought Albuquerque studios, universal NBC is building a hub there. There's a lot going on in New Mexico and we are in the process right now of selling our house and moving there. So here we are in our 70s. I'm 70, he's 74, and we are going to move. It, I, I don't know in five years, but I can tell you what's going on right now, and that is we are disrupting our lives. We don't have to, but we're doing it. You're taking the road less traveled. You are getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah. and you, you're a perfect example of what I think people have to do today to to stay on the cutting edge and that is always reinvent themselves never never settle never get into some sort of stagnation but to always be chasing always be striving to become a a better version of yourself and I think that you have to get into a a space of being comfortable in the uncomfortable to to take chances and to disrupt your life in a way that seems crazy to anybody else that doesn't live it, but it's your truth. It's your, you feel this strong sense inside that you need to go in that direction. You know, that's kind of what happened with me with our financial services practice. When I decided I needed to sell it, I had no idea what was going to come next. I just felt like God was saying, now is the time to get rid of it. And Jen's like, well, what are you going to do? And like, she asked me, you know, two dozen times, well, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? And my answer was always, I don't know. Like I, you know, I'm just down for the ride. I think God, God will show me to other people to, to just sell it and not have a plan for what was going to come next was just unnerving to them. But I think that that her and I thrive in those types of environments. And it sounds like you and, and Richard do as well. Well, it's, it's stunning to do it at, at this stage in life. And we've questioned ourselves. We have an apartment there. And for the last almost two years, we've gone back and forth. We put 27,000 miles on our car last year. Um, and most of our work is, is in New Mexico. So, so we've had to ask ourselves some hard questions. We either say it was fun, but we're done with that, or we move there. So which which is it going to be? And you have to take calculated risk. It, it's not just that we're saying, oh, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, we'll be in the kid's basement, you know, which may happen, who knows, but <laughs> hopefully not for their sake <laughs> and for ours, Yeah, you know. But uh, but our our kids, our adult kids, uh, are not shocked at all that 
that were saying, well, I think we're going to move again. And I go, yeah, right. In fact, they say, please just let us know uh, what town you're in today. <laughs> let us know where you are. I love that. I can see that being our kids when we're older. They're going to be yeah. like, are, where are mom and dad at? Are they, are, you know, we got a place down in Mexico. Yeah. Are they in Mexico? Are they yeah. in New Mexico? Yeah. Are they in California? Where are they? <laughs> Where are they? Right. Well, I wish for I wish for both of you a long, wonderful, adventurous, prosperous, and ever deepening love in your life. And it sounds like you've got the right attitude, but just keep doing what you're doing. The thing that my mother said is the only thing certain is change. Mm-hmm. And if you can be comfortable, like you said, with being uncomfortable, and and there are times it's it's like boredom punctuated by three minutes of sheer terror and um <laughs> that's but, uh, uh that's jen's uh average car ride with me <laughs> yeah exactly i understand jen yeah <laughs> my husband my husband started flying a plane when he was seven years old and he you know he was a fighter pilot in the navy and a race car driver and a stunt car driver so i i get it wow i get yeah. it but yeah sean yeah. tried to do his so, pilot li- license at once he wanted to get his yeah. pilot license yeah. and I was pretty much like, oh, I ain't getting in that plane with you. So he he, he stopped going. <laughs> like support, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. not only did she say, I'm not getting in that plane with you, but she also said, our kids are not getting in that plane with yeah, you. you. So fun. then I'm sitting here going, okay, do I want to spend all this time well, and effort to, to then be by myself or yeah. should I figure out something right. else that we can do as a family, you know? And I, right. so I, I let that That's dream right. go. Yeah. That, that, that one was and gone. Now, well. and now one of our kids is like, I'm joining the Air Force. I'm like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> so here we go. We're going back Next on the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, well, here's what you can do, Jen. You can buy him a simulator. They've got wonderful simulators <laughs> now, so he can have the fun of that. I might know? like that. Oh, you know, so. technology is increasing. Yeah. Like in, in our house flipping business, oh, yeah. we've got a contractor, or excuse yeah. me, an architect that has put yeah. our new house that we're building in VR goggles. So we get to yeah. walk through it before it's even been built. So I, it's such wow. an incredible yeah. age, you know. So whether it's flight simulators or whether it's, you know, other advancements in technology, it's right. a beautiful time to uh, to be alive for sure. Yeah, I'll get my fix that way. I'll, I'll do it artificially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that'll keep her happy. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I love it. Cindy, you've been so, cool. so awesome to talk to. Yeah. Uh, just oh, a pleasure to speak thank with. You. I, you know, I love your attitude thank about life. I love the stories that you shared, and I think, um, you know, your 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 points of wisdom are going to be very very valuable to those that pay attention and then make it a part of their life. I think the the uh, paying it forward piece is yes. a really, really big piece. So important. I think that right there, if people really internalize that, understand the power of it, and then put it in practice, I mm-hmm. think that they're going to be very, very surprised at what happens. Well, it gives you, it gives you a feeling of control over um, a, a feeling of a life that feels out of control. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for Great. your time, and thank you so much for Thanks sharing. For me. You know, yeah. we really appreciate yeah. it. Good luck on your move, too. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's thank always you. that's always a fun All adventure. Right. You're going to have lots of new restaurants you get to go visit. That's exciting. Exactly. <laughs> exciting. That's the fun part. Exactly. That's the fun part. Yes. All right. Well, you have okay. fun. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, Jen. What did you think of our interview with Cindy Lippert? I think. She is super funny. I really like her. I want her to be our new best friend. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, I really do like her. I love, (laughs) 
I love that. She's like, all I knew was being a boss is good. She seems like somebody <laughs> like, that if you had a chance to sit down and have a couple of glasses of wine mm-hmm. and then let her relax and really open up, you would be laughing the yeah. whole time listening to her stories. I absolutely loved it. I love hanging out with people where they just talk like that. Yeah. You know, where they're free, where they're authentic. I don't have to. Yeah. And I can just listen and laugh. They're like, real. Those are like my dream people. Like, yeah. I just want to watch and listen and laugh and just tell me all the stories. Uh, well, I loved her message, her point. I think mm-hmm. the most significant point out of all of this is that, n- number one, the road less traveled. Yes. Okay. Like she's a product of the road less traveled. She's such an interesting person. And, and I think that that's a product of, of the varied experiences and the risks that she's taken and the, you know, the discomfort that they've faced in charging forward. Right. And then number two, you know, just really this, this idea of paying it forward, you know, the thought that, that tithing or giving to some cause, like you don't even have to belong to a church. You want to give it to a women's shelter. You want to give to some charity or whatever, do that, make that a consistent part of, of your, um, habits. And I, I just think that you'll see dividends come back to you that are incredible. Not that you would do it for that reason, but it's just the byproduct of giving faithfully, giving out of your heart, you know, just naturally happens. Yeah, exactly. I loved her. She's like a mover and a shaker. And honestly, she sounds super young. I know. Well, I think you're as young as you believe in your heart. On a prior conversation, when we first uh, were talking and I was telling her about our podcast and she says, in my mind, I feel like I'm 40. Oh yeah. But then when I look at myself, I don't look 40. Yeah. (laughs) She's, she's fun. I like her. (laughs) Well, how do people connect with us if they'd like more of our awesome Hope Radio podcast? Well, we are on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Hope Radio Podcast. Yes, and then if you want to download us and or subscribe, you can do so on iHeart. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can do so on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, all the platforms. Oh, yeah. Leave us a review. Give us a like. And if you'd like to come on our, our show, if you're somebody that has a story to share, about hope. We would love to connect with you. So you can send us a direct message on either Instagram or Facebook um, and get in touch with us that way. Yes. Awesome. Well, I guess it's time for my thought of the day. I love your thoughts of the day. Hope is the companion of power, the mother of success. For whoso hopes strongly has within him the gift of miracles. That's from Samuel Smiles. I like his name, Samuel Smiles. Yeah, hope is awesome. Well, I think we're going to have another interview tomorrow. I've got one lined up. I'm going to keep it a complete secret because it's going to be awesome. It's going to really, really blow your socks off. So you better be ready, I already don't have socks on. Oh, my gosh. Telling (laughs) secrets again.